Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Common Kaisers. I am your host, Chris Eaton, and joining me as always is... Ariane Hinojosa, your favorite co-host of Common Kaisers. <laughs> well, we have yet to need, okay. have the need for a guest host yet, so I don't know. If we get big enough, we might get there. When we get big enough. Uh, I love the moxie. How you doing, Ariane? All right, man. I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited. This is We've been building up to this for a long, maybe two, three months, and we're finally talking about it. Tonight, we're talking about Shin Kamen Rider. God first thoughts right we are first thoughts Chris first thoughts um, overall I I liked it but I wasn't wowed by it like I was with yeah. the other two shins if that makes any sense you liked it but you weren't floored by it yeah yeah like it's not okay a, like overall like I enjoyed my time. But once I left the theater, I was kind of like mulling on things. And okay. so, yeah, I mean, I definitely have some nitpicks with the film. But overall, it's it's a legitimately solid film. And uh, you know, we're probably yeah. going to dig deeper to the Shin stuff in, in a little bit. So I'll keep it for that portion for later. But beyond that, I, it was, I mean, it's well made. I mean, it's Anno. And it looked like at, the whole time he was like, I, much like Higuchi. When you watch Shin Ultraman, and it looks like he it it's a it's a it's a seven year old playing with his favorite toys in the fashion he would. This is how Shin Kamen Rider felt for you know watching Ano just pretty much play with the toy that he loved as a kid, but adding like his grown up sensibilities to it. Sure, sure. Um, so other than that, I. Look, and I'll tell you this: I'm always a sucker for anything mechanical wearing a coat. So I did like the look. Oh, then this is right up your alley. Mm-hmm. So you saw it in Japan. I saw it in Japan, yes, opening night. And uh, how was that? For those who may have not heard those last episodes, it was a, a you know full house. Um, it was great. It was very quiet. So mm-hmm. I'm used to watching movies here in the United States where, you know, we clap for everything. You know, a theme plays, a character shows up, and, you know, um, and then we clap. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Japanese audience didn't clap until the movie was over. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, and they stayed all the way through the credits. I, maybe they were expecting a post credit scene or something, but they stayed all the way through until the lights went up. Um it, it's it's wonderful. Uh, watching a movie in Japan is something that I've always wanted to do, and I'm glad I got to do it with Shin Kamen Rider. Uh, so watching it, watching it here, how was the crowd for you? Um, it was a solid crowd. Actually, my theater had I would say it was like about halfway uh, sold out. I mean, it wasn't in the biggest auditorium, but there was you know a few of us watching it, and I was legit surprised by the time the movie started rolling. Like. Oh, this is this is a very good turnout for arguably is probably the most niche of this stuff. Like everyone knows Godzilla. Yeah. Most people know Ultraman. Yeah. Common Rider, man, that's a hard sell. And yeah. Honestly, I th- well, I mean, let's be I mean, let's be honest here. It's probably a lot of it is because it's Ano's film. And there's a lot of anime fans that love Ano, but 
my crowd didn't exactly seem like the anime fan type. Like they all skewed a bit older, and it was okay. Very interesting to see that. Like there wasn't like I've been to anime showings and stuff, and now I feel like the old man, like sitting in the back of the theater because it's just like this is a whole, this is like two generations, two generations ahead of me, and they hoot and holler at every tiny little thing. Uh, yeah, I won't go into my premiere experience, but. It gets it gets a little grating sometimes, um, but yeah. But with this, it was like it felt like everyone around my age was showing up for this, and I gotta say, man, it did my heart very you know proud to see people actually turning out for this thing. I mean, I'm not again. I legit thought it was gonna be maybe like five or six people, but a lot more. And the fact that they actually expanded the Showings. I actually went to a sec. It was the second showing of the night. I went to that one, and it still was. It got a pretty good crowd. Nice. So you saw, and you don't exactly speak Japanese fluently. So I mean, did you? Un- you I, but you got the general gist of what was going on, right? Yeah. So pretty much, this movie is the similar to Shin Ultraman. It's the first couple of episodes of a story, but in this one, it looks like they did the first uh, 10 episodes mm-hmm. and then the last, and they kind of ended it toward the end of the series. So it, there's a, they bookended the movie. Yeah. Um, you, you don't get a whole lot of backstory. There's a very, the backstory, the introduction is mostly done in flashback. And it just, this movie hits the ground. It's like the first scene is a car chase or a bike chase. Right. Yeah. Um, so, if you're not familiar with writer, I can understand why you're like, "What's going on? Who is this guy? Like, what? What's Prana? Like, all these? Like, mm-hmm. what is this?" And, and that's a very, I get that. I understand why people are a little confused. Did you? Did you get the gist of what was going on? Oh yeah. Even with my limited knowledge of common writer, like it very much like laid out everything to where I mean, look. They did. They did the cold open. They pretty much did a Bond opening, and they, you know, I'll give Ono all the credit. He came out the gate swinging, and he was swinging hard. Uh, you kind of warned me, like, like the movie was a little more violent than you would expect, and my God, <laughs> it was. I, I was having flashbacks of watching like '90s Japanese like action and splatter movies, and it was just. I'm like, there's just blood left and right and not only that but writers just viciously murdering the hell out of these shocker dudes so and believe me everyone was like oh damn like in that right. theater because again right. you're expecting maybe like a melodramatic fair not at all <laughs> not at all what anybody got we got at times it was just it, i mean god just it, the violence would just kind of pop out of nowhere and then at other times, it's like, eh, it's just these quiet little moments. I'm like, this is, I mean, I'll bravado because that is what, he does that, like, fantastically. I still think that Shin Godzilla had more interesting characters in it than maybe the previous, like, I would say from Mega Gears down, like, in all through the 90s, of, of, you know, the actors. And you kind of care what's going on in between all the action stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, as someone who uh, lived through the millennial movies uh, as they were coming out, 
Like, <laughs> I mean, we all did. If you're listening to this podcast and you didn't live there, come on. You're, mm-hmm. We're not that old. But yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, looking at these movies as they were coming out, and you're just like, man, what? Like, who? Who is this? Like, the Millennium movies, so at one point it's like, oh, hey, it's uh, Akira Takarada. Oh, hey, it's uh, uh, you know that actress or that actor. It's like, oh, look mm-hmm. at them, you know, they're back, and you're like, oh, right, there's Don Fry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and if Don Fry is the most interesting person in the movie, you know, nothing against Don Fry because he's a you know he's a Cadillac of a man, but um, I love on. that terminology. <laughs> Damn it, I'm stealing that. He was a Cadillac of a man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but uh, let, let's talk about Shin Kamen Rider. So, are we going to talk spoilers? Yeah, we're just going to spoil okay. it. I'm, um, we're going to hit beats. Like, last okay. show flowed a bit better by hitting the beats and just recap the movie. I think that's that's the direction to go. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to sit here and tell you everything that happens in the movie uh, mm-hmm. because off the bat, you guys you guys should check out the movie uh, when it's available. Uh, Legally, mm-hmm. fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, and this is if, if you're a fan of Shin Godzilla, Shin Ultraman, Evangelion. This is you know this is it. This is the uh, you know, the, the fourth corner of the of the the, the Shin universe. Okay. So, like we were saying, uh, off the off the top of that, off the top of the movie, uh, it starts off with a, with a car chase. Uh, Ruriko. Uh, is holding on to Common Rider. Ruriko, you'll find out who she is in a second. But uh, she has a smaller role in the original series. She only appears in the first mm-hmm. 13 episodes. And, um, and that's it. In this movie, she has a larger, uh, a very piv- a very important role in this movie. And was her character kind of like, or was this like a remix of that character? I'm gonna be honest with you, Chris. I barely remember her <laughs> in the original show. Okay, but uh, she didn't. Did she have? Any, she, she didn't have any of the the wacky turnabouts that uh, <laughs> that like her her crazy eyes and stuff, right? No, no. Her character is uh, again. She has a much bigger role in this movie than she does in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the series, as soon as Rider Two shows up, it turns into it turns into a you know. A, when you think of Common Rider, it turns into whatever Rider Two brings into the show with a henshin device or the whole henshin pose. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you think of Rider starts with Common Rider Two. Uh, the or first just... thirteen episodes are, you know, they're they're dark and they're scary and they're a little more serious and a little bit more gothic, more experimental. Mm-hmm. Uh, think of an uh, Akio Jusoji uh, Ultraman episode. Do you yeah. remember those? Yeah, those uh, you know weird angles. Uh, but some Dutch angles and yeah, you know, you're getting yeah, like a, you're you're zhuzhing up your scene, if you will. Very artistic, mm-hmm. uh, the first thirteen episodes. But anyway, um, we meet uh, Spider Augment or Kumo Augment, who is a Spider-Man essentially in the movie. Um, he he. Uh, he fights Ryder for a second. He sends out his goons, his shocker henchmen. And this is the part of the movie you're like, oh shit, this is what we're getting into. Mm-hmm. Ryder 
destroys these goons. He he goes through. He punches right through them. It is it is some gory, gory uh, Hong Kong eighties level of violence. But man, uh, my God, it was beautiful. You know what? I it got me. I think I went down this this jag. I think it was maybe during our uh, review of the Seventh Curse. But there there was something to you know to the way they used to do things and just there's there's something magical about seeing what is essentially supposed to be a superhero getting wild and violent on on goons like it it was it uh, like my heart grew three times the size and not because of my weight <laughs> it was you know the passion i was feeling for this i'm like we used to have this and ano's bringing it back god bless you yeah yeah uh it's it's quite a sight to see um it's something it comes out of nowhere because mm-hmm. there's there is no indication no, that yeah. this is that yeah. kind of movie. <laughs> and then they tell um, you what kind of movie it's going to be right there and then. So now we are uh, Ryder gets, you know, Ruriko gets kidnapped by. No, not yet. Sorry. Um, no, I'm not going to get into, you know, everything that happens, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, we get a little bit of backstory of, you know, how uh, our main character Takeshi Hongo uh, was chosen, or but you don't get too many too much backstory. It's not, you know, they don't lay it out for you. They mm-hmm. just kind of uh, tell you, they, well, you the you basics to set up with this guy. Are, is. Yeah, they they just kind of tell you, here's your powers. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how you transform, and uh, best of luck to you. All from the mouth of Shinya Sukumoto, by the way. Can you tell our, uh, for those who are uh, uninitiated who this man is? Shinya Sukumoto is probably one of the gods of independent Japanese cinema. The man, uh, in being a fantastic director, is also a damn good actor in his own right. Um, his most famous film you'll probably know is Tetsuo the Iron Man, which is as avant-garde as avant-garde gets while still being this delightful cyberpunk comic book, you know, of a movie that's filled with wild, wild imagery and some insane ideas. And the way it was all shot is beautiful. And the man has gone on. He's, I would dare to say he's kind of the David Lynch of Japan. You know, yeah. just the way his, with all of his, the way his work that's is, it. like, it's not all this, you know, like, people think of Tetsuo and it's like, oh, that's what it's like. No, the guy's got damn good range. Watch Sneak of June. It's own, it's, it's an erotic thriller, but it's, my God, it's fantastic. You're like, this is the guy that made this weird little, you know, little indie film in black and white with stop motion. So he's here telling comment. And by the way, if you want to see him as an actor... Go watch Ichi the Killer. I completely forgot he was in there until I sat down and rewatched it like a couple months ago. And my buddy was like, man, like, Sugimoto looks buff. I'm like, that's not him. And I kind of took him. I'm like, oh, fuck. And look, I'm breaking my own rules. How in the hell did I go this long without realizing that? But he's so good. He's the, he's uh, in that movie, he's Ichi's handler. Oh, turns into powerhouse scumbag performance and it's all it's awesome so 
Sugimoto showing up in here. That's that's you know that's like that's like when David Cronenberg does like little appearances in movies for his friends and stuff. Like him showing up in um, Jason X for like five minutes just so you can be murdered. Like that's that's, that's right. what this felt like. That's right. I forgot uh, Cronenberg was in Jason X. <laughs> yep. That's funny. <laughs> Uh, just like in the original series, uh, Professor Miro, Miro, Miro Rokawa, I'm sorry, I'm butchering mm-hmm. the name, um, is the guy who saves Takeshi Hongo from brainwashing. Shocker. Uh, in this movie, he is quickly dispatched, just like he is in the first episode of Kamen Rider. And that's uh, why you get a Shinya Sukamoto to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Spider Augment kills him. And we uh, get straight into the second fight. And again, it's more fighting. This part is one of my favorite parts of the movie because they go right back to the original uh, filming location of the first episode of Kamen Rider. There's there's a nice side-by-side comparison uh, image somewhere on the internet, but uh, of the shotgun grunts Mm -hmm. and uh, Spider-Man. That tells uh, I, again. That tells you what a like a mega fan Ano is if he's what a going nerd. back to the yeah what he's super nerd, nerd yeah. this guy is and and that's what I hear that that's why I paid my good hard earned money to see this because this is exactly what I wanted to see I wanted the nerdiest uh, reference heavy movie I can get now before we go on let me ask you about that because you're the big Kamen Rider fan um. Like, did this, I mean, does does this feel like the ultimate, like, fan film in a way to you? Not a fan film. Uh, the way I compare it to, if I were to compare it to something, I don't want to compare it to a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of references to other things uh, in this movie. Oh, my God, like, yes. <laughs> if you watch, a, you know, a Marvel movie and you see, like, Oh, there's this one character like, oh, you know, that's that one guy from uh, Secret Wars, and he did this, this, and that, and you know, like eventually, you know, he's gonna come out and do this. Um, there are characters in this movie who it's like, oh, you know, they're not outright saying it's this character, but they're also not denying it either. So it's you know, it's on the viewer to to make that connection. And the more you know about uh, Tokusatsu, the more rewarding it is. Uh, experience, there's the more rewarding of an experience you'll have by watching this movie because this movie, just like the Simpsons rewards you for paying attention. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm at like about 20 minutes in a character pops up and I'm like, wait, what yeah. the hell? I'm like, serious. Wow. And then, you know, when you go deep digging, it's like he was pulled, he did what, only the greats can do. There, there's a thing I love in, in in modern anime when like you know you know really prolific creators, um, you know when someone else gets to finally have their touch, they reference like they reference the hell out of everything else. The, everyone does this with everything. Go Nagai. If you watched any Go Nagai like based uh, anime. There's always tons of references to other stuff. And blatantly, half the time, like, characters straight up being, like, crossed over just for the sake of it, just for something cool. It's it's what Giant Robo, the animation, is essentially. It's just this yeah. giant conglomerate of all of, of, of 
all those characters under one banner. And Anno kind of pulled that off with this as well. So I was like, wow, you're going for some deep, deep cuts here. Yeah. Um, there is a scene in Shin Ultraman where Ultraman in human form is talking to another agent. And that name, that first name matches up, the name and the agency the guy works for matches mm -hmm. up with another Super Riot show called Mirror Man. So mm -hmm. for a while, people are like, oh, that guy is Mirror Man. Mm -hmm. um, there's a scene in Shin Ultraman where the fake Ultraman is attacking uh, Tokyo, mm -hmm. right? And uh, they say, oh, there's been another agency. Um, another agency has responded to alien threats. And that is what the Ultra Guard from Ultra 7 does. So they are referencing. They're they're not saying it. It's not Ultra Seven, mm -hmm. but they're you know that's on the viewer, and that's what I love about this uh this Shin universe where it's so it's so ambiguous as to do these things connect or not. And we'll mm -hmm. get to connections oh, we'll, in a second because we'll... one's about to come up. Yeah. Uh, but sorry, going mm -hmm. back to uh, the movie. Uh, Common Rider does, you know, he fights Spider-Man for a second. He he does his his, his rider. It's glorious. You know, the music's playing. It's wonderful. Uh, the way the way Spider-Man is is killed, he's kind of like in a T pose. Kind of looks a lot like Lilith from Evangelion. He's yeah, he's cru he's crucified, essentially and, without without the without the crucifixion. And uh, yes, exactly. And just like in the original, in the first couple of episodes of Ultraman, of uh, sorry, of Common Rider, when people are killed, they turn into foam. They turn into bubbles and they disappear. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's sweet. Uh, then we uh, we go back to Hongo, and he kind of figures out, like, man, I just killed people. Like, this is crazy. This is my powers are nuts. Um, he talked to uh, to Rubrico and 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 they go back to their hideout. And there's a wonderful little scene that I love so much. Uh, is Rubrico and Hongo walking down a hill, and you see Ryder's bike, the cyclone, just following them along. Like by the dog. by the way, <laughs> never happens again in the whole movie. Just this one time, and it's so weird. And when you, uh, when I was thinking about this, I'm like. That was wildly out of place, and they never reference it again. I thought it was really sweet. I mean, it's cute. It's a cute scene, but like you're when you get up and walk after you're like, man, that that movie was like it had some heavy themes. Wait, what was going on with the bike? Like we never see it be sentient after that. <laughs> um, I don't. I, as far as I know, uh, there's been one or two uh, sentient bikes, one of them being from Kamen Rider Black's uh, Battle mm -hmm. Hopper from the show. Uh, I think it's sentient or it responds to, uh, to Kamen Rider Black. But uh, no, this one just follows follows a uh, rider along wherever he goes. I thought that was really sweet. Uh, then it's... they go to... Go ahead. Oh no! I'm like it's 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 a it's a nice little scene of brevity, but it's still like feel. I'm like, even now as we're talking about, it, I'm like, okay, like if this was going to be this movie, but you just threw it in there as, for for schnitz and giggles. 
Well, in in the Shin movies, right after the first scene, there's always a uh, a brief scene of levity, you know, like in Shin mm-hmm. Godzilla when it's you know the next day, and then everyone's back to work. You know, the stock market goes up, uh, goes down, whatever. Uh, and then in Shin Ultraman, when um, you're introduced to what's the character's name? Uh, the buddy, uh, the partner, the the new guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm blanking on his name right now. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. You know, you follow her along as she gets to the office and it's playing um, the early mor- morning in Tokyo song again. Mm-hmm. And in this scene, you get Ryder and uh, Ruriko just hanging out with uh, Cyclone, is the name of the bike. It's, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's nice. Yeah. But, but now we are at uh, Ruriko's hideout. It, Ruriko's hideout looks like a manufactured home that you would buy from Home Depot. You know, yeah, there's yeah, insulation is, so. is uh is exposed, and mm-hmm. we we see that there are two people waiting for them, uh, waiting for them in the house. And Chris, who are these people? These are a, they don't give their names right off the bat. Right. They just say they work for um they work for an agency. They work it's, one works for an agency. Yeah, one works for intelligence, and the other one works for the government. Yep. And sure enough, it's the guy from uh, from Shin Godzilla and Shin Ultraman, who's mm-hmm. just a government man. And now, then, now, uh, hold on a second. When you first saw this in the theater in Japanese, you don't have the yeah. frame of reference going on. What what the hell crossed your mind? I said, oh, I know who, the, who these guys are. Uh, and and you know what? Bravo to Anu for making it coy throughout the whole movie. That these oh, yeah. might be the people who you think they are. Yeah, I I thought this was the only cameo. I thought this was their only scene, and 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 they move on. But no, they're in the movie throughout the movie and, all the way. And then the it end. makes sense when we get to the end too. Yes. Um. So uh, they go over this plan. Oh, I'm sorry. And then the other guy is uh, he's from intelligence, and if you make the connection with Shin Ultraman. Uh, Ultraman in uh, Shin Ultraman is in, in he is in intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's on you, the viewer, to make those connections. If you yep. have been paying attention to the series, you are rewarded by, oh look, it's uh, it's Ultraman. Mm-hmm. And I thought the way they framed these, these scenes, like there was a lot of scenes of uh, Hongo and um, Ultraman standing next to each other, and it's like there you know there they are. Yeah. And uh, government man, uh, I, I forget his name. Uh, well, yeah, it was at, it was at the very end. That's, that's part of the problem when they, when they do the name reveal. Yeah. But I'm talking about the, his name in Shin, uh, Godzilla. Oh, oh God. He was, uh, he was like the other guy. He was, yeah, he was I'm blank. I'm blanking on it right now. Uh, anyway, so they're talking about, they give a brief backstory on shocker and, um, like, Hey man, look, you know, you're a person of interest. Uh, join us uh, in the anti-shocker, whatever, and uh, we'll work together, and we'll make sure you're not killed. And sure enough, you know, Ryder and uh, and Ruriko agree, and then they go off to find um, Bat Augment. Uh, <laughs> now, 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 let me ask you this. So again, you yes. being the longtime fan, uh, I've only seen, you know, I've only watched, I think now, a handful of the original show. 
And obviously, the original show, the designs are very wild and out there because, well, you're making a show for kids, so you got to have creative bad guys. What was your take on how Anno did the the uh, what were they in the show? They were what they were cyborg cyborg monsters. Kaijin, Kaijin, Kaijin. Uh, yeah, uh, reconstructed people, uh, mm-hmm. monster people. Yeah, whatever. So what did you think uh, of the Kaijin take? I thought it was, thought it was hilarious. Show. I thought uh, Bat Augment was hilarious. I've they went. In the original show, he is uh, a Showa era of man bat from Batman the series. <laughs> this is just a, it's a dude in just like a big bat suit, essentially. Well, I'm sorry, what? It's just a dude in like a big bat suit. Yes, he is a bat man, a man bat. And does he do that thing where he keeps his arms out so it looks like he's flapping his wings? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It is mm. it's hilarious and ridiculous at the same time. Uh, but in this in this uh, movie, he's just a dude in you know. He looks like he works at a cigar shop, uh, but he's got the face of a bat, like mm-hmm. he's straight up, you know. And he's got this nice white piece, you know, his three piece white suit, and uh, and Ruriko, he's working on something. He's working on a virus. You'll find mm-hmm. out in a second. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, the way you're describing epidemics and how like, how proud he is of this virus, I was like, mm, too soon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not for Anna. Uh, uh, Ruriko goes to this hangout. And I'm sorry, I didn't mention um, a character that we were introduced to briefly before, but here you get a, a, a good introduction of uh, Kay. Yes. Who, again, this, well, I was talking about earlier. Yes. He... He is essentially uh, KGK, Robot Detective uh, K, mm-hmm. who is another tokusatsu show um, from the 70s. Oh. I, I think, I want to say it was an Ishinomori. Uh, oh, yeah. All these were, were, were in, uh, um, uh, in it. Sorry, I'm telling one of my words. In Ishinomori uh, characters. Again, that's, yes. you know, like what was going on about, like, this started becoming like Giant Robo. Yes. Where it's like all these other characters are popping up now. Um, so he, he he is the uh, ward of Shocker in this movie. Uh, he is the, not the de facto leader, but he's the guy making sure uh, Shocker keeps running. Mm-hmm. You know. uh, he's the closest thing that we get to a, an ambassador hell or a, you know. Uh, that is, up. you know, that's the thing I was, I, I want to walk down like, they didn't do Ambassador Hell, but then again, I started thinking, it's like, okay, he was kind of that role then, but he less, he completely like hands off. Like he was just a, I mean, in many ways, he, yeah, he was just the concierge of, of Shocker. Yeah. Not, he doesn't, he doesn't inherently do anything evil. He's just there. Yeah. Um, he's like a neutral force. Like an observer. Mm-hmm. Like an observer, would you say? Yes, Exactly. Uh, so Ruriko, you know, says like, "Oh, you know, you're here." Pretty much, just like acknowledges him and moves on, and uh, and, and fights uh, the auto. What do you call it? Robots, automons, auto. Oh uh, yeah. The, the, it pretty much they're dudes that look like they have file cabinets for heads. Yep. Then um, <laughs> dispatches them quickly and moves on to uh, Manbat. Uh, you know, some without spoiling too much, without giving too much away in the movie. You know, there's a back and forth. Ryder shows up. 
you know, as you as you will, there's a fight. Uh, Ruriko gets in on the action on this one, and uh, and and Ryder uh, dispatches Manbat. There was a considerable amount of, like, Ano got his fix of Ryder kick in this movie, definitely. Oh, yes. And each, <laughs> one, each one is, is better than the next. And yep. It's, oh, man. He does a double it's, kick. It's, <laughs> I mean, look, it's one thing because he gave it away in the first fight. And you're like, well, that's like the finishing move. And then he found a way to keep upping the ante. It's... <laughs> The way he man bat does this line where it's like, Hey man, I, you know, I'm already at 33 meters. I know you can only jump 30 meters. So what does Ryder do? He, Chris, what does he do? Calls his trusty bike. Yeah. Which we finally get to see that transform. Yes. He, uh, the rocket on the back of his bike. Oh. Launches, yes. He launches himself off the bike. Uh, he, he, the bike jumps up to thirty meters, and then Ryder jumps up on top of that. Does yep. uh, a, what, a, like a nine sixty spin? Mm-hmm. And uh, Ryder, go ahead. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like the whole scene played out from, uh, it, like again, I was noticing like a lot of the tricks he used on Cutie Honey in this movie, yes. and that was like one of them. Like the way it was done, it was like. I mean, look. I mean, look. He referenced the writer kicking Cutie Honey. She does it in the opening in the opening act, but it almost looked like he was like, "No, I'm going to take that shot, which is already referencing something, and put it here in that with that pizzazz to it." He <laughs> Hongo kicks right through Manbat. It's brutal. It's a, it's you know he he rides him he like he kicks him and he slides him down on the concrete on on some train tracks, mm-hmm. uh, and and Manbat disappears into into bubbles. Hunko looks at his you know at his foot and his boot and it's like it's bloody and you're like damn. Okay, uh, so I feel like this is the format. You explain something and then I got a question because quite <laughs> of course. So, um, oh, fuck, wait, <laughs> just blank. Okay, hold on a second. I'm sorry, just blank because I the whole thing. Uh, oh, okay. What did you think of the fact that Hongo never is, is never not in the writer outfit the entire movie? It, look, um, and that the fan, helmet, uh, the as, helmet was like the big thing. As a fan of Hongo's outfits in the original show. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the two episodes we saw where he was wearing all white after Labor Day, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I I do I I, I kind of wish he had a, uh, a he does trans he does have a, 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 a one casual outfit, but I wish we got more of these wild um, I don't want to say flamboyant but extravagant uh, of the times uh, outfits. Mm-hmm. The the workaround, I guess, is him wearing the trench coat all the time. Yeah, uh, which is cool. Like he would lose it, and then he would throw it back on, like when when they're like in between scenes. Like yeah, he wore that thing every, like it was everywhere. And the idea yes. that that it's still armor, because there's that one point where they show, I believe, in the opening when like uh, Sukamoto's like explaining things, like the the chest piece kind of opens and you see like what's going like the mutation 
like under him. And not only that, but like he takes off the gloves at a point and his hands are like all like mutated. Right. And then like then he reverts like to his uh like his human self. But the he just never sheds the suit. And adding to that, what did you think of the new explanation for the uh the belt? Uh I was fine with it. I mean I wasn't expecting something to be like, oh, that makes sense. Like, you know, it is what it is. And uh, they need a reason for you him to take off the helmet and speed mm-hmm. and uh, a reason to put on the helmet, which, yeah, yeah, makes sense. And then the, and the belt would suck in. They pulled a, like a like a bleach with this thing. Like, you know, in, in, in the dead world, like there's this thing called reishi that everything feeds on. And essentially, oh. yeah, they, yeah, what they turned the pana, the pana, pana into that. Pana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, prana, what I got from that was essentially like a like a life force, almost mm-hmm. like a soul. Yeah, um, or wind. Or he has to build up, you know. Uh, Rider one has to build up wind. He has because his his uh, his powers are mostly uh, kinetic based. He needs to charge up so he can, you know, so he can uh, get stronger or you know do his kick. Uh, but they did mention the way, like Prana is, they don't, you know, it's not like midichlorian. They don't explain exactly what it is. It's kind of on you, on the viewer to kind of piece together what it is. But essentially it is like a life force. Mm-hmm. Um, you can expel it. Uh, you can, you know, he, he Congo gets scolded later on for not using it uh, efficiently. And uh, he can expel the Prana and just, you know, go back to a regular person. Yeah. Uh, when he doesn't have prana, he's more prone to attacks. He's more prone to uh, damage. Uh, the more prana he has, the better off he is. Unfortunately, on the on the other side of that, the more prana he does have and he has a helmet on, the more violent he gets. Um, and that's something that's the balance, I guess. I, I did find it like an interesting again, like because you're not going to have the character uh, transform. I mean, he still has like. <clears throat> kind of a transformation like right. we see him transformed and it's not so much the suit as much as like the physical aspects he takes on in the suit just augments all that uh i mean because they show him like with like the mad eyes like his brow kind of up like with all the veins coming down uh i mean i very again interesting it feels like stuff that was taken from like later common writer like lore from what i know uh very it it had shades both um, that that original Shin Kamen Rider movie where the transformation is like, yeah. And uh, the recent uh, um, uh, Dark Sun, like... Black Sun, yeah. The as Black Sun, I thank know, you. As far as I know, that was a reference to the manga. That's how Hongo gets in the manga. Okay. Um, but I haven't read the manga, so I could be mm. wrong. Uh, what happens after and now after man bat we go on to scorpion augment which now, scorpion, what's that which i i saw that scene i'm like oh and then it pay, but obviously it pays off later but it was it was nice to see the 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 non-powered people like get a win like it right? gave it gave credence to whatever government organization these two dudes are working for, it's like, 
yeah, you see, you see a bunch of guys get taken out, but then they eventually take her out, and it's like, oh, damn, like that's new. Right. Usually, these guys all end up being fodder, and it's like, no, no, we're not strong enough. That's why we need, you know, the main hero. Right. Um, now this scorpion augment is the, I would say the most different out of the other augments or kaijin. Mm-hmm. In the original show, a uh, scorpion augment was, or scorpion kaijin was Hongo's uh, close friend, his uh, his personal friend. Mm-hmm. And in this one, uh, scorpion is a female who looks, you know, he's got a half mask on in the original. Uh, scorpion had a full mask. Um, and I know the, in Shin Kamen Rider, uh, scorpion augment's mask is a reference to uh, Zubat, the show. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who the character was. Um, and the actress who plays Scorpion Augment is the actress from Shin Ultraman, the one, the same, uh, the partner that grows really tall. Ah! Yeah. I didn't even recognize her. Yeah, I didn't recognize her either. <laughs> uh, so in, in this scene, I, the first time I watched it in Japanese, it just came out of nowhere, and I... Didn't really understand what was going on, but uh, watching it in, in you know, with subtitles, like, oh, that makes sense. Uh, essentially, uh, Scorpion Augment is her her plan is to to release a poison, a toxin, mm. and um, she's stopped by the intelligence guys or the government guys. Um, you see the female shocker uh, grunts a protector, and then you know there's there's a there's a POV fight. Uh, between Scorpion Augment and, the, and these government guys, uh, eventually they take her, they kill her off screen, and you just hear uh, what happens. And uh, they confirm to Ruriko and Hongo that's like, hey, we've this is we've taken care of this. Uh, you don't you don't have to worry about it. And they're like, oh, that's weird, but thanks anyway. Like mm-hmm. we could have, probably could have handled that, but thank you for that. Um, now they move on to. Uh, Wasp, Hornet, uh, Augment. Uh, what did you think of Hornet, Augment, B, whatever? Uh, I, it was an interesting, like, again, this is where the movie, for me, like, because I, up until this point, it, it really did feel like, in many aspects, like Shin Ultrans, like, this is clearly, like, they're, they're hitting strides of the show. And yeah. then the movie kind of makes a, a, like, a, like a turn here because then you're going into like it felt like okay now we have to make stuff up because we're not adapting the show in full especially knowing where the latter half of the show goes then they're clearly not going there because you're not setting the stuff up it's like okay this is this is where it felt like it finally became like its own thing mm-hmm. um the whole you know history between you know the 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 two girls and you know uh, Hongo not, you know, wanting to kind of fight. Like he's kind of having this, this moment of, uh, of, uh, uh what, what's that? Um, a conscious objector kind of moment. Yeah. And it's, it's also the weird thing. It's like, you know, you have a, you have a shocker dissident and like a, and another thing it's, it did give like little weight because up until this point, shocker is just a room. With clearly like an AI that's you know running things, 
and you don't really get an idea of like how big these guys are. And it's very tokusatsu and in, in you know low brow like low key tokusatsu where it's like it's a limited set, but we're still technically like this giant you know worldwide uh, evil organization. But you know it gives a little more backstory to the idea. It's like no, there are people that you know grew up in this organization and you know they're you know really given like the reasons for what they're doing but it you know it feels like you know the big generals are kind of going into business for themselves and that's really what i got from this scene um that and an awesome fight i really did love the fight on this like when Ryder finally is like when she transforms and they they start throwing it like this is the most anime-ish this movie start feeling right like this fight scene right you know i mean it's clearly like cg'd and the way you know because everyone's like zooming around and stuff yeah it felt very 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 cartoonish but not like in the goofy way just very like this is what you would see in an in like an action anime yeah yeah uh it is the most anime out of all the movie um i do like that they made Hornet a Yakuza boss. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I like the way she controls her subjects or, you know, without them knowing. Uh, Hornet's uh, power is essentially she steals prana from her subjects and she becomes stronger because of that. Uh, so there's, you know, there's a back and forth. You hear old common writer music, and you're like, "All right, it's about to go down." Like, here we go. Uh, but they, there is no fight. Hongo and Ruriko run away, and they go camping for a second. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. But uh, you know, whatever. They they come up with a plan. Uh, they come back, and they attack. They. The way they do this, they, 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 Hongo tells Ruriko, you have to go in alone and you have to trust me. I got a plan. Uh, <laughs> so she, uh, she goes in and confronts a Hornet, who is, they are childhood friends. I don't, I think you just mentioned that, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hongo, meanwhile, gets hit, the government's help, jumps out of, a, out of a drone, out of a bomber, out of something. Yeah. And spiral kicks. Into the building they're in, taking out the antenna, taking out the you know the the, the antenna dish with radar. The what device he was using to put the uh, the the town's folk to, like like in a hive mind. Yeah, to to mind to destroy the mind control device. Mm-hmm. He just drops down on this building and destroys half the building. <laughs> and his rider kicking, you're like, what the? Yeah. Holy shit. Um, and this is this is the part of the movie where I'm like, hell yeah. Hell yeah! Here we go. <laughs> like, I, you had me. You had mm-hmm. me you know, with the violence, you know, with all this crazy stuff, with you know these these subtle changes, you know everything. But at this point, where he drops down from the sky, and 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 spiral rider kicks his way into a building, destroys half the building, and then walks right into the <laughs> to this confrontation like nothing, like didn't hurt him at all. I'm like, hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs> and that's where we get this, you know, big climactic fight. And again, it just you it Ano just ramped it up here. 
uh, it felt like, oh, this is this is your element. And at the same time, like, and this is this was something that did kind of bump me a little bit. And I think this is where one of my criticisms of this film comes in. One of my, you know, it still felt like you were watching an episode. Of yeah. the show, like it felt, it felt very TV production in many aspects. You know, when you get to scenes like this, where it's like, okay, here's where the budget's going, and we're doing this very gigantic, you know, awesome battle sequence. But like the rest of the time, it's like there were times I'm like, because we just watched Black Sun, I'm like, this feels like I'm watching like one of like the adult common writer shows. Like it, it, it felt almost off, if you will, to me. Okay. Um, for you, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was it was awesome because it was clearly an aesthetic choice. Uh, are you talking about where they are? What exactly are you talking about? Where they're going, you know, 100 miles an hour, or just just like in general, like all the like this was like the biggest fight scene like of a set in this in this movie. This is the one like that whole sequence from dropping down from like the bomber. All that, like, this is where the movie felt like at its biggest. And then the rest of it kind of went back to feeling like it was like maybe like a higher budget TV, uh, like a TV episode of like a, like a modern version. <laughs> like if Black Sun had maybe like another, you know, million dollars to their name, they could, you know, up it, but it still looks television. I don't know if this is a, if I'm explaining it well enough. What was that last bit? Oh, um, just just in it's how after this moment, the rest of the movie did feel like it was a just a big budget version of the TV show. Uh, I mean, it is Anu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, and not... it did it very much did feel like an aesthetical choice. I mean, like yeah. Shin Ultraman and Shin Godzilla, they felt like these bigger, like reimaginings. Shin Godzilla, especially. Um, I mean, Shin Godzilla is a slick movie. That's that movie looks like it's big. It had a budget, even though it didn't like. In comparison to American movie, it was a micro budget, but that movie still had like a, a, a like a like a, a size to it. The same with Shin Ultraman. Like Shin Ultraman, at no point did it feel. Like, I mean. There were times it felt like you were watching, you know, episodes of the old show. But then, like, when you got to, like, the fight sequences, all of that stuff, it felt big. Like, this is a theatrical event where it that feeling peaked right here in this whole sequence. And then it kind of went back to being just a, like, like a show. So... Yeah, I do agree that this movie uh, is diff very different from Shin Ultraman and Shin Godzilla, where in Shin Ultraman, the stakes keep just keep getting higher and higher and higher. And at, at the end of the movie, it's Ultraman finding this huge, uh, this planet-sized... Uh, super monster, weapon. weapon. Super weapon, right? Mm -hmm. and, in, and in Shin Kamen Rider, the stakes are so much lower. And 
it's not as over the top as you think it would be. Um, or at but least not. It, in many ways, this is a very reserved movie. Like there's, there's definitely a lot of like, I, you know, Anno could have really upped the ante, like just kept the violence going, but it does like after these big beats, especially at this point, which is, I would, I would consider this the midway point of the movie. Wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah. Because it felt like, yes, this is, you know, once, once she's defeated and by the way, by the agents who killed the, uh, the scorpion, uh, uh, they needed her venom to kill, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, this augment. And so even Ryder doesn't even have to dirty his hands with this one, but it kind of strains it's... the relationship a bit with, uh, with between, uh, the two of them and the, uh, the agents. It's funny because, uh, Ruriko wanted, wanted Hornet to, you know, like, Hey, just give up and, you know, and you'll be safe. Mm-hmm. And she just, she straight up says, like, I don't want to kill you. Then the agents show up and they're like, Hey, we understand you know, we respect your wishes. So then they just straight up point blank shooter right in the chest. Yeah. And then she just but, figures out like, oh my God, you use scorpion, you know, Hornet figures mm-hmm. out, she says like bolts don't hurt me. But mm-hmm. then she figures out immediately as soon as she saw, as she shot, she's like, oh, you just took scorpion's venom. Yeah. And then Ruriko calls him out like, hey, that's why you killed, that's why you killed them and not us. Mm-hmm. That's why you killed scorpion and not us. Straight up, mm-hmm. no comment. And walks away. Yeah. And we're like, oh. And you know, like I like the brashy ballsiness of that scene too. Like making yeah. these, you know, making these Asians like, hey, we're we're not playing around here. Like we're very serious about ending this this threat of this international terrorist organization. And then the movie like stops for a minute. Like we get, yeah, we get this moment. Like we get these two moments. We get like shocker. And the, like, this dude kind of, like, in, like, a, uh, like, in the Matrix, like, with all the, when you find the field of pods with all the people in them, like, it's, some, it's like, out of that with K-watching. You're like, what the hell is going on here? And then you get, you know, back at the hideout where, you know, we get pretty much all the backstory. And, you know, between the professor and the fact that, he only had a biological son and his daughter was, is artificial. Like, you know, all this stuff, like, and you know, it's, it's got it, you know, it's, it's laying the exposition out. And then the movie then pivots to like this new weird, this new third act where it, we're introduced to a, uh, like the next, the next guy that's going to fight writer. But at the same time, now we're also introduced to, uh, to like another comment. So the other common writer that's, that shows up, which that gets, this, it mean, and it gets weird and wild from here on out. Yeah. Especially the way they introduce, um, uh, what is his, what is writer two's name? Uh, Hayato Ichimonji. In a complete 180 from the character we've already been dealing with. Like he's brash. He shit talks. He's doing like all this stuff. And I'm again not too familiar, but is that how Writer Two is in the show? No, no, he's not. He's well, Writer Two in the show is he's a photographer, and he's very. <laughs> you know what? Now I think about it, yeah, he is because there's a scene in uh, in uh, the show where 
this woman is trying to get Hayato to take a picture of her. She's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, you know, you, you take a picture of me, whatever. She's trying to seduce him in a way. And he, he just straight up looks at her and be like, I don't photograph women. <laughs> and uh, uh you know the first you look back on you're like oh my god that's that's hilarious uh and so in the movie he is very you know he's a wild card mm-hmm. in, in in the show he is a bit of a wild card as well he's just he is really cool but in this one in this in, in this movie i really cared for writer too I, I never really cared for him in the show, but this one oh. made him cooler. Because in the show, he was mainly created because there was an accident on the set, right? And right. the main actor had to bow out, so they had to, but they still had to fill episodes, so they, right. you know, kind of came up with him as like a filler. Right. And a lot of stuff that you learn, that you know of Ryder, like the Henshin pose, mm-hmm. all came from Ryder, too. Um, simply because the actor didn't have a motorcycle license. So they needed to figure <laughs> out a way for him to transform. Uh, you know, uh, the generals, so, uh, all, all that stuff from Ryder, uh, started with Ryder too. So but, in, uh, in many ways, yes. So in many ways as the show pivoted, this movie definitely pivots because then it, I dare to say, it feels like there's, you know, there's, I mean, this is the second act. But I would argue that the second act ends at the introduction of Rider 2. And then we go into like a super long third act because everything just starts connecting together after. The, like it's just nonstop to the end. Um, in, in again, like just pacing wise, like it, you know, you still have like another what almost 50 minutes, 48 minutes of this movie left at this point. Like there's or. There's yeah. still quite a bit to go, and they just shove all this new stuff in it. And it again, weirdly kind of breaking the rules of like the 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 you know storytelling. It's like don't introduce a new character that far into something. And not only do they do that, but then they kind of make him the center of attention after you know he's introduced. But you know, it, again, similar to you know the show where you know he had to fill in for a while. The fight between Rider One and Rider Two. Oh my by god! By the way, very good. Loved it. Um, the which leading to the whole sequence of of you know him getting deprogrammed, realizing like what the hell. And then here's the thing I loved because unlike uh, uh, Hongo, where he's kind of a reluctant hero, like he he's like I I will do what I need to do, but I don't like doing it. When Ryder 2 kind of realizes, like, oh, cool, I got powers, he's like, hell yeah, I'm going to go be a superhero. And, like, embraces it from, like, the get-go, which I, again, very refreshing. Because I'm kind of tired of the trope of the reluctant hero where it's like, no, I have to I have to rise above it. You know, I have to pull whatever that is in, the, in me out so I can truly be the hero. Where this dude's like, oh, hell yeah, like, we're going to go have some fun. Justice is going to be served. So this part of the movie is where it all kind of comes together mm-hmm. and it happens very quickly. Uh, so I hope you don't get up and use, and use the bathroom because the reason they're fighting uh, is because uh, Rider 2 is still brainwashed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rico figures this out 
and deprograms him, uh, gets close enough to him and, and you know, essentially just touches his helmet and, and deprograms him. Uh, because Rider 2 destroyed Rider 1's leg. This guy's, you know, he essentially just twists his leg, in, you know, backwards. Do you, do you remember, Ren, did you ever watch Ren and Stimpy? Of course. Do you remember the Fire Dogs episode where the you know they're pretending to be firefighters? Yeah. And Mr. Horse falls out of the building. Yes. And sma- snaps both of his legs. That is yes. what went through my head the second I, I'm like, that is so that it's a Mr. Horse snap where it's just so ridiculously broken. Uh, yes, exactly. And for the next couple of minutes, uh, Rider One is crawling around like. Um, Remember Family Guy? Oh yeah, like when uh, yeah. Actually, you know what? It felt it felt like um, some of the skeletons in Army of Darkness, where they're just crawling on their bellies because yeah. they have no lower torso. It very, it, I got a lot of feeling of that. Um, it, before I forget, before I forget Go ahead. this, Go ahead. the other aesthetic choice that bumped me is the fact that when both Rider One. Writer two and another character we're going to get into in a moment. When they have their goddamn masks on, it sounds like the mic is in there as they're saying their lines. It's all muffled like this. Meanwhile, every augment, especially the ones that have like the techno power ups and are yeah. wearing masks and then on their own, are completely overdubbed. <laughs> I don't know why, but I don't know why this was a choice. But it bugged the crap out of me, and I I couldn't get past that at times. I'm like, you can't understand. It's like that. It's like the original uh, Dark Knight Rises before they redub Bane, or it's you can't hear much that's going on because they're talking over a damn mask. It's, I mean, I get it. It's what it would sound like in real life, but they were the only ones that did it. You know, I. Didn't notice. It didn't bother me the first time, but now I think about it. Yeah, they were the only ones who were talking. You know, the microphone was in there. Was in there. Yes. And my name is Ryder. Common Ryder. And then everybody else has this huge theatrical. You know, like, oh, I'm projecting. I am talking, and and this is my plan. Yeah. You know. I mean, again, this wasn't traitors. Yeah, if this wasn't subtitled, I wouldn't know what the hell they were saying. yeah, good point. Oh my, I didn't notice that. Uh, so, so yeah, writer, uh, writer one is is walking, is crawling around like Herbert's perfect dog, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Ruriko gets ambushed by the next uh, augment, who is a is mantis. a, a two for one. Yeah, he's a mantis and a lizard. Yeah, a chameleon and a and a mantis. Yeah, so he's got like the one crazy chameleon eye and everything. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, those are two different kaijun in the show, but they put them together for this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, and uh, he, she, the guy shanks uh, Ruriko right in the in the kidney. Mm-hmm. Looks like. Um, and before he goes in for the killing blow, Rider Two snaps out of it and uh, begins fighting. And, and beats the, the crap out of him too. 
Yeah, and, and throughout this movie, I, I love this this recurring thing, this recurring theme of like, you know what? F traders. Traders mm-hmm. deserve to go to hell. Traders yeah. go to hell before they die. Or no. What's the line from Mario? Uh, what's the line from Mario? Oh, if you do drugs, you go to hell before you die. Yeah, that's yeah. traders go to hell before they die in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um and annihilates this guy. This guy had he just like smet like you can tell he's stronger just by like how he easily breaks his helmet and exposes his face. You're like, damn, writer too. Yeah. Um, you figure out the writer too doesn't has power ups um, because of another character that we're getting. We'll get to in a second. Uh, he has power ups. He doesn't need to generate wind. He can just do it on his own. Um, essentially, he is stronger than writer one. Mm-hmm. Um, he might not be able. He might not be as fast. He might not be able to jump as high, but he is stronger. Um, and, and, uh, and again, completely refreshing seeing like just like a character just immediately embrace what they are. It was like, yeah, this guy's like, wait, what's going on here? And they're like, oh, this happened. He's like, oh, damn. And then the opportunity arises. He's like, oh, I'm going to go be a hero and just I can murder without consequence. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so writer two dispatches uh, chameleon uh, mantis. Uh, Ruriko dies from her wounds. Um, and writer two just walks away and just kind of doesn't want to deal with this and just leaves. Uh, then we go to a time skip uh, where Hongo is fully healed. There's a bit of expo- exposition as to uh, Ruriko leaving her last will and instructions and in how to defeat the final boss. Uh, Who turns out to be. Uh, turns out to be Ruriko's uh, brother, um, the uh, the biological son that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. and he um, modified writer. Well, there was a writer too, but he upgraded him, mm-hmm. uh, so he doesn't have the de- he doesn't have the the faults of writer one. Uh, there is a meeting before. There's a meeting between the government guys. And uh, and Hongo and they and, and they go like all right you know you got this right you you don't need our help is writer writer one goes now I'm doing this on my own I'm doing this Ruriko and uh, I'll handle business uh, but before you go and then it cuts to uh, another meeting between Hongo and writer two <laughs> and writer two is like you know what I don't. I don't want to deal with you guys. I don't. No, I'm not. I didn't sign up for this. I'm gonna go fight Shocker on my own later, mm-hmm. and just zooms off. You know, just zooms off. Uh, so you, Hongo is just kind of looking. At, look, just stares off in the distance, like, well, well, shit. Now what? Yeah. Uh, so Hongo rides off and um, goes to confront Ruriko's brother. I don't remember his name. Do you remember his name? Uh, uh, not at the top of my head. Hold on, let me come see my notes here. But he is <clears throat> now. He is the de facto leader of Shocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, his backstory is explained in a manga, in a prequel manga, but I haven't read it. Um, and a lot of the augments uh, backstories also. Ichiro. 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 Thank you. Thank you, yeah. thank Ichiro. Um, there, are a lot of the everybody in Shocker's backstory, well, not everybody, but most of the people in Shocker, their backstory and their motivations are expanded on in the manga. But anyway, 
Um, then Ryder 2, you know, looks off like, man, you're really going to go on your own, huh? You're crazy. Uh, now we get to the Shocker Rider bit of the show, where Rider 1, Shocker Rider is a common writer made by Shocker, who was fully uh, brainwashed. And these guys all have guns. There's like 12 of them. And they're all, you know, it's, it's 1 versus 12 now. It's Rider 1 versus 12, these guys. They chase each other through a tunnel where I thought this was really cool, but I heard there was a lot of complaints. How are you? Well, it's the longest damn tunnel I've ever seen. (laughs) These bikes are doing about 80 going through this thing. Yeah. I mean, they must have went through about 15 miles of tunnel. You know what this was? This was the takeoff scene in Fast and Furious 6 when The Rock and Vin Diesel are fighting uh, Luke Evans and the other big dude. And the plane, the cargo plane has been going down this runway for about, you know, 12 and a half minutes at this point. And you realize, like, this has got to be the longest damn runway uh, on the face of the planet. I can see that because because while the scene is awesome, and it, there are times it felt like, have you ever seen Cashern, the live action movie? Uh, yes, a long time ago. The one scene that goes around the internet when he finally becomes, you know, the robot fighter and starts fighting the robots and it's just to this huge action sequence. That is exactly the vibes I got off this. I'm like, like, clearly this was like the big scene. It's like 99% CG. Like it's dull. It's again, this is where the felt like the budget was put into. But man, it paid off like this. I remember just why I'm like this. This is joy. This is joy right here. I like this. And it's a one on ten fight. They all got guns. And like common riders with guns. Like these you just couldn't you had to up the gack moment. And then what do we get? We get the the Han Solo moment here. Yes. And who returns? Rider two. He's and, like, hey man, I don't like teamwork, but I'm gonna make it work, man. Then the the theme music plays, they do their henchin poses. And it's all right, man. It's, it's you know, it's the remaining shocker guys, and they just beat up on him. And it's it's wonderful. It's it's wonderful violence. Uh, yeah, because it got bloody again too. Yeah. Uh, and it's just yeah, one action scene like they're doing the kicks, they're bashing heads in. You're getting low camera angles. The camera's going under you know legs as kicks are being thrown. There's scenes that are completely lit up by by the uh, the blast, the guns. Like, you, you again, you feel like this is the moment where they they truly feel like these are superheroes doing superhero yes. things. Uh, so Rider One and Rider Two deal with uh, the Shocker Riders and make their way. I don't know how much farther this tunnel goes, but they go into the layer of Ichiro. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at first. At first, he, Ichiro doesn't really want to deal with him. He's like, I don't have time for you guys, pretty much. Yeah, uh, like you're beneath me at this point. Yeah, he, he makes quick work of them, just kind of uh, force pushes them away, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they distract him, and Rider One uh, calls Cyclone, his bike, and destroys uh, Ichiro's uh, throne, essentially. Now... 
Ichiro in this movie, his motivation is essentially to send everybody to hell. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, that is, that's it. He, he hates everybody because of a random act of violence that killed his father. Um, so everybody deserves to die. Killed his mother. Himself. Killed his mother. Yeah. Killed his mother. Yeah. And his mother is who? Oh God. Who was she? I'm so, I'm blanking. Who was she again? She was uh, Cutie Honey's best friend. And and she that's was, right. Uh, she was also in Shin Godzilla uh, as the scientist who, uh, I forget her name, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. She has a very uh, distinct, she has a very familiar face. She's the dour looking girl in Shin Godzilla that's the, yes. that figures out the whole thing. Again, I'm uh, blanking on her name. So... Ichiro figures out like, oh, you know, so you guys actually do know what you're doing, you know, consider this an apology and then transforms into Kamen Rider Zero, whose motif is a butterfly. Now, this is, it was, I mean, I, I was told that, again, another reference to, uh, it, it was, uh, oh God, what was his name? It's like, starts with a V. Yes. Yes. So the concept, if you look at the concept art work, art book, you'll, it's like, it's straight up, you know, he looks like Inazuman in the concept, but mm-hmm. there's, they made him more of a writer in this movie and his belt buckle is uh, V3, Kamen Rider V3's belt buckle. And you know, is that what it was? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, the double type like, really? Is that, is that V3? Did they, did they really go there? Uh, so there's a lot of references to other, not, it's not just one based on one thing, but uh because he is kind of a new character, right? He is a new character, yes. He's yes. an original character. Um, Which, ironically, is just an hologram of like four or five other characters. Essentially, yes. Yeah. Uh, and and again, he, uh, they, Writer Zero, he, him, his name is Common Writer Zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he beats the shit out of, <laughs> of Writer One and Two with barely touching them. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, again, you know what? Much like my beloved Raid, I love a good one-on-two fight. Like, though your oh, boss yeah. is so strong, it takes two characters to take him on. And not only that, but the one dude just beats the crap out of both of them. It, it's hilarious because they, 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 they don't have a plan. They're like, just anything, just whatever lands, man. Just hit him mm. wherever you can. And it gets to the point where uh, Zero knocks out one and two so hard that their helmets fall off. And they go, they kind of look at each other like, man, okay, I got a plan. And Ryder, she's like, really, bro? Like, yeah, it's like you should have told now? me that from the start. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I love the dynamic because these two have only known each other for maybe an hour at this point, like in real time. And yet they're fighting like they're best friends. Like that that was something auto managed to make me believe in like these two were fighting like they were longtime friends. But then you're like, no, they've only known each other for forty five minutes. Like <laughs> but the dynamic is there. You're like instant chemistry. Uh, yeah, and uh, and the plan here is to knock Rider Zero's helmet off and whatever it takes. So it's like, all right, cool. Rider two goes in. Common Rider essentially like Jiro grabs him and breaks his arms and he mm-hmm. yells out like ah it sounds like this horrible scream this horrible painful scream 
<laughs> and now this is the point of the fight where it turns into a wrestling match, where Hongo essentially Greco-Roman wrestles Kamen Rider Zero and gets him in a, into a hold. And right, you know, they're going back and forth. They're like, man, you know, like, hey, man, I was a victim of violence. Like, no, I was, you know, I was a victim of violence way more than you were. It, again, it's an anime trope. Mid-fight, yes. you have to you have to either lay out this mad soliloquy to your opponent about some virtue of living and, you know, and finding more meaning in life than what you're pursuing. And this is the point of the movie where you figure out that Kamen Rider Zero Ichiro is chaotic good mm-hmm. because he tells Rider, it's like, hey man, leave Shocker to me. Like, I'll deal with it. You know, I'll deal with my own way. Mm-hmm. And Hongo's like, nope. You know, grabs him. He has a Ichimonji now. And he, the way they, the way they destroy Rider Zero's helmet is a straight up headbutt. Just <laughs> a headbutt that destroys Rider Two's helmet. That's how hard it, it was. That's yes, it's. The poor writer too is, you know, both arms are broken at this point, and you just like mm-hmm. oh, they're both messed up. They're both messed up. Yeah. Uh, knocks out writer two. Uh, you know, you know, the the helmet of of writer zero's prana is all over. You know, it spews out prana, and they just kind of sit there for a second, like oh, okay, like. Have you, have you ever gotten into a fight before? Yeah, once or twice. So you know, there's a point of the, of, of a you know of a dying break, a scuffle, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. where you just kind of like sit there, like all right, <sighs> you know, you just all right, you know, you got you got whatever it is you needed to get out, you know, we're all right, we're good now. Yeah, and that's the point of the fight where you're just kind of like all right, you know, you're you're done fighting for a second. Rider zero or um, it. Hongo takes off his helmet and puts it on to uh, Ichiro. And I'm not quite sure how to describe this scene. Can you help me out here? Uh, it, it, if anything, it felt like the drift from Pacific Rim. Yeah. Because yeah. it was, it was, um, it was like these, these memories that like you can interact with. Yeah. Uh, essentially, Ruriko's uh, ghost or whatever uh, prana is is still in Hongo's helmet, and she interacts with her brother and says, "They came in, just you know, upload yourself in this helmet, essentially, and we can live here." Mm-hmm. Uh, and each was like, "Nah, like there's no way, there's no way I'm gonna live in a helmet. Like there's not in an evil way, just kind of like, mm-hmm. accepting this fate yeah. way. It's like." No, like I don't want to lose you again, and so I'd just rather just you know end it here. Um, so he takes off his helmet. He takes off our writer's helmet, and he looks at Hongo and he goes like, "Listen, if you don't leave, uh, you're also gonna die because you've expelled way too much prana." Mm-hmm. Uh, Hongo's like, "Hey, man, you know, I, it's too late for both of us," uh, and they both turned into bubbles. <laughs> They both, Common uh, uh, Rider Zero turns into bubbles and, and fades away. And the shocker, no pun intended, uh, Hongo also dies. Which, again, ballsy move. Very ballsy move. I did not see that coming. Uh, he just turns into bubbles, but his helmet stays intact. 
which is we'll get back to that in a second. Mm -hmm. And Ryder Two is like, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Like again, the one guy that came in late to the party is the one left standing. Yeah, he's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm alone again. Mm -hmm. uh, fast forward, some time passes, and you see Ryder Two just hanging out on a on a, on a oh. dock somewhere. Looks like yeah. he's gonna go fishing, and he's about to take off his scarf, and he's like, all right, get the hell with this. Income, income, our best friends, the government and intelligence man, with Hongo's helmet, with remains of his helmet. And they approach Ichimanji right or two. And they say, hey, man, uh, before he before he died, he wanted us to let you know that if something were to happen to him, if Ryder one or if Hongo were to die, he would want you to carry on the mantle of common writer. And you're like, at this point, as an audience member, you're like, hell yeah, let's go. Uh, and now, so he still has his suit. His helmet's destroyed. No, oh yeah, he his he still has he doesn't have a helmet. So he takes Hongo's helmet. Mm -hmm. He goes like, hey, before I become writer, uh, rider again, like I need a new suit, a new you know, fix up this helmet and a new bike. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, uh, he gets a new bike. He gets a new helmet. He gets a new suit. And this the suit is the new. Uh, Common Rider, the, what you think of Common Rider, the classic color Common Rider. Yeah. Um, it's brighter. He's got the two stripes. Um, but instead of silver gloves, his gloves are black. And it looks so cool. <laughs> it is a good mix of the old and the new. And it looks so cool. Uh, and then you learn that, like, you need to go fight this other augment, Cobra augment. Mm -hmm. And is it audience member you're thinking if you know anything about common rider you know who this guy is and you're like let's go uh, so off goes rider two and you learn that hongo's consciousness is still in his helmet so he talks to ichimanji while he's in his helmet and he's like i feel everything that you feel you know i want to feel the new cyclone i want you to ride faster you know whatever you whatever you're doing i could feel you and now mm. we're going to fight shocker together and you cut to the back of Shocker, of the of the Commander helmet, and now it says augment, uh, Bata Augment or Grasshopper Augment uh, 2 plus 1. And now it's it's like a it's a perfect way of of, of uh, having a single rider, but you know, but still have both of them there. Yeah, like he's he's essentially become his Jarvis inside the helmet. Essentially, yes. Yeah. And off Rider 2, or Rider 2 plus 1. Just, it's Kamen Rider. It's just the one Kamen Rider now. Yeah. Off he rides off on, you know, onto this long, windy uh, bridge. And uh, off to fight Cobra, Augment. And that's that's it. Cobra, roll credits. That's the movie. Uh, I knew we weren't going to say we're gonna, we weren't going to talk about the movie, but I, I really, really like this movie. <laughs> And I can't stop talking about it. And I'm I'm so happy I get to talk about it with you guys. So now, okay. So now that you saw it subtitled and you've got to yes. see the reveal, what did you think about the reveal of the of the two government agents? Oh, I skipped over that part. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. So Tachibana and Taki, the government yep. man, his name is Tachibana, and and intelligence guy's name is Taki, and they're like makes total sense. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Taki is the, uh, if you remember the uh, the two Kamen Rider episodes that we watched, Taki was the uh, is is the other dude that doesn't transform, who yeah. helps out Hongo. Who beats the crap out of all the guys on his own, like pretty like, much. Yeah, he doesn't really he doesn't need, need... Pow- he doesn't need powers, and yeah, he doesn't. He's holding his own, like Common Rider's like next to him, and this guy's like his. It's almost, I mean, it's he's kind of like his Kato, but like he's doing the work of Kato, like he's doing the hit. It feels like he's doing the heavy lifting too. In in the movie, uh, he kills uh, Hornet and Scorpion. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's more than capable of handling these augments on his own. Uh, well, not his people, but his people kill uh, Scorpion, and he kills Hornet himself, point blank. Mm-hmm. And then Tajibana, who is uh, the, the mentor of Kamen Rider, and essentially he's the one in the movie giving out the tasks. He's like, mm-hmm. okay, here's here's where you go, and here's here's what you do. It's a it's it's a great reveal. It is very uh, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. At the very end, it's like, oh, neat, nice little, you know. And did, so, did that come across at in the when you watched in Japan, or did it finally make you finally got it when you watched the subversion? It didn't click because the audience is very quiet, and it, mm-hmm. it didn't click that he was going to go fight Cobra Augment either. Mm-hmm. Seeing that, I'm like, hell yeah! It just made it better for me watching. Yeah, it. uh, it's a nice, it's a nice, you know, way of closing it out. Uh, so that that's it, and that's the movie, man. So overall, okay. So you heard my little, my my two cents. Obviously, I mean, we went through the whole thing. Yeah, you loved it. Now, yeah. where would we rate this in the pantheon of the Shin films thus far? Look, I I love I love them all. I love mm-hmm. the Shin universe. Uh, I guess it's the closest thing to um, uh, a shared universe that we have. Yeah, uh, combining all three of the of uh, tokusatsu giants um as far as where it goes like you know one two or three i wouldn't say that um there are different movies i can't wait to own this movie uh because it's so recent because it's so like maybe it's number one right now um but that's my what do you think where where is it for you i enjoyed like i said i enjoyed it i i i had things to kind of bumped me, but overall didn't take away from my enjoyment of the movie. But that said, the, I guess the small, uh, it's what I ran into with Ultraman, like Shin Ultraman. Like when I sat down and watched Shin Godzilla, it felt like it was living up to this title. It's new. It's different. We're having this weird, new, unique take on this classic character. And when like Shin Ultraman was announced, I'm like, oh, wow. Like they're, they, they're gonna like probably go off in like left field and then when i sat down and watched it i was like they didn't really go off in left field they made like a just kind of like a big ultimate like it the best way i can compare it like this australian ultraman and shin common writer feel like what the ultimate universe was to marvel where it's like these are characters with deep-rooted history that goes back a long time and if you want to get in on the lore, we have an alternate option for you that you can jump in from day one and easily follow that, you know, will not betray the roots of it, but we're, we're kind of doing, you know, a, a more modern take of it. And that's what these two movies felt in comparison to where Shin Godzilla was 
in like a different like category of what it was doing because that movie actually like it was trying to send like tell to, like send a message like it was all about like the fumbling of government bureaucracy where Shin Ultraman and Shin Kamen Rider are clearly Higuchi and Ano like I get to play with my toys like awesome and this is what's going to happen and this is what's going to happen because I love it so much that's what these movies feel like in comparison Shin Godzilla to me had this this doom. It yeah. felt like no matter what happens, you're doomed. Uh, you know, when it comes to the radiation, when it comes to uh, the ending, mm-hmm. it, it's like an overall like this is only a, a, a good ending for now, but eventually. It's going to be bad later on. Yeah. Shin Ultraman had this very hopeful theme. You know, that uh, humanity can come together and, uh, and and come together and figure things out and work together. It's a very Star Trek uh, way of thinking. It very much is, yes. Shin Kamen Rider is like... Going to an all black nightclub, an all hold on, let me rephrase that. We're <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, a, a nightclub where, every, where all the walls are black, you mm-hmm. know, all the lights are black, you know, everyone's wearing black, wearing sunglasses, and drinking 40s while listening yeah. to uh, listening to like 90s uh, industrial metal. Mm-hmm. That's why I can describe it. It's uh, it is very much, very much like a like a like a not Blade Runner, like a like cyberpunk superhero. Yeah, that's a '90s cyberpunk superhero movie. Uh, that's the best way I can describe it. And it, I didn't feel hopeful. I didn't feel doom. I didn't feel. I felt this movie gave closure. For the mm-hmm. universe, you know, there might be something, you know, in the future. There mm-hmm. might, or we can end it here. But either way, this is this is a great bow tie for the Shin universe for me. Um, well, I mean, there's only one genre left. Co- oh, uh, Power Rangers or Sentai? Sentai, yeah. And I mean. There's a part of me that's curious if I mean, I, it feels like Sentai is like out of their purview. Like, like for some people, like you were either if you were born like in like 1989, you probably weren't exposed to GI Joe and Transformers, but you're exposed to Animaniacs. Like, there's that weird Mason Dixon line, and it feels like for Ano Higuchi, like they were just a little too old once Sentai really became a thing. They're like, hey, yeah, it's cool. We appreciate it, but we like, you know, Godzilla, Ultraman, and Kamen Rider. Like that's that was the big three until doing the Sentai is going to be very interesting, especially when they go overseas with it. Uh, I wonder if a Shin Sentai in the United States, like, how would Hasbro feel about that? Um... That'd be yeah, that's an interesting thing, considering that. Um... I mean, they're. I mean, Hasbro's right now trying to get their a new Power Ranger universe off the ground. And so, 
you know, they, I mean, they still have access to all the stuff that was used, but at the same time, like, they don't have to tell Toei anything. They can, I think, use those designs in perpetuity. I have no idea. Uh, but I don't, I'd be okay without it. If they do a Shin Sentai, that's great. But if they don't, mm-hmm. that's fine too. Uh, I would, I would rather they go more toward, if they were going to do a no Shin, what would it be for you? I mean, people say Gamera, but like, again, I, I, it feels like they've they've hit the all the big strides. Like, I mean, at this point, um, I, I, you know, I've heard people call for Higuchi to get a crack at Godzilla on his own without like Ano, Ano's input. Like, I think you know, like when when you watch Shin Ultraman. They're, they're, I, I get a consensus from other fans, you know, they're like, in many ways, like, they, it feels like generally people love Shin, Shin Godzilla, but they're like, I was kind of hoping for what Shin Ultraman was to be Shin Godzilla, like, just a lighthearted affair with, like, wild new designs and stuff. Um, and I still hear, like, people calling for Higuchi to, like, get a crack, like, let him run the whole show and not have Ano do it. For Ano, I mean, I've kind of, like, he, you know, I've recently interview, he said, like, this is the first time in, like, almost 20 years. I have nothing on my plate. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, at, at this point, he's proven himself uh, versatile in both animation and live action. So, I mean, like, you know, it felt like the Evangelion movies took everything out of him in animation right now. So, I, I kind of hope that, you know, you know, He's done playing in his, you know, someone else's sandbox, and go back to making things in his own sandbox. Like maybe, like you know, create like you know your own live action show. Do something that's not like based on something that's already been done already. So that's the hope. God only knows what'll happen. I mean, anybody, you know, someone that could drive a dump truck full of money. It's like we need a Shin Ultraman too. It's like all right, I'll get on the script. Like. I would love a Shin Ultraman 2 or a Shin Ultra 7 or a Shin Kamen Rider V3 or a Shin Godzilla versus whatever. Shin Ghidorah? I don't know. Um, if that's not the direction that the Shin universe wants to go, uh, I, I hear me out. Shin Gatchaman or Shin Battle of the Planets is it would be here. I could definitely see that. I could definitely see something like that. Like now let's delve into anime. And let's try it. You know what? Shin Tetsujin 28. Yeah, you, but you know what? I want, yeah, I would love for Ano, you know, to go back and tackle the guy again. Give him Devil Man. Let him make a proper oh, live yeah. action Devil Man movie because the one we got is an abomination against God. And I still yearn for the day of like a good devil. And look, say what you, you know, I, I, I understand people's complaints about Cutie Honey, but Anno understood the character. Like, it never, like, you know, he took, in many ways, you know, you, you can even call Cutie Honey like Shin Cutie Honey because the beats are there, but Anno still made it, like, his own thing. Like, it's still, like, it's all steeped in the guy's stuff and the guy's, like, styles on it, but, like, Anno really made it his own thing. Like, he even gave, like, new lore and stuff to it. So... Get, yeah, nope. let him let him tackle like another character. I mean, I'll probably never see the day when we get a Mazinger movie of any sort. I was about to say, uh, if, 
if it didn't already exist, Shin Mazinger would be really, really, really cool. Yeah, but Shin Mazinger is uh, oh, it's so if, perfect. If it didn't it's already so, exist. It's so damn perfect. Like, that is definitely somewhere I have to get into because, you know what? I consider that 26-episode anime from, like, 2009 to be the de facto Mazinger story. Like, that's how much I loved that show. And it sickens me that it wasn't popular enough in Japan to garner a proper Shin Great Mazinger because that's how the damn show left it off at. So, maybe maybe someone else does the Shin Great Mazinger. I'm surprised there hasn't been anything for it. It's been 2008, you said? 2009? 2009 was that. I mean, they did the movie for the oh, anniversary, right. but that's been about... I think there's a new show coming. I could have swore I read something that they were working on, like, um, something for, like, uh, like a new project that was announced last year. But beyond that, like, I would love a Devilman movie. I would love to see Ano tackle a Devilman movie. Because I think he has the 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 touch to understand like no like don't go like full action like make it like make it like the the manga where it's it's dreary it's it's dark it gets violent like embrace all that stuff but still tell a very you know refined tale like ivano knows something he knows story like the man knows man knows how how to um He's got an imagination. He can and he can write out a very a very well put story. So, but uh, at this point, I I would like to see what else he has in that brain. The man he's sixty two, so he's not young buck anymore. Like, what what else you got in the tank there? Or is is that it? Was Evan Gillian it? And you're like, nah, I'm just gonna keep doing stuff like this. I would love to see him directing it. Go back and direct an, an original animated movie. Like, kind of need more of his like stuff out there in anime. How about a Shin Gunbuster? Oh, that you know what? That's the I I I have always heard rumors that Ano wanted to do a live action Nausicaa. Wow. Well, kind of. Like that's been like his dream and. You know, he's worked under Miyazaki. He and Miyazaki are like friends. And even Miyazaki's like, nah, nah. It's, these stay where they're at. Like, you can do a stage play. That's fine. But you're not going to make a live action adaptation of Bay My Works while I, while I walk this earth and draw breath in, in these lungs. One day someone will. Mark my words. Like, in, in, in the next 10 years, we'll probably see a live action, like, Miyazaki adaptation. But. Um, man, we like we're in we're in an age we need, we need some some new stuff, and the man's a master at coming up with this with this stuff. But I would like to see him tackle a live action version of something he's made in animation, and Gunbuster is probably the best, you know, the best yeah. of his works that that you know he could bring live action. Can you imagine doing? Like the gun, like the sh- the mech with the arms crossed, like in live, like I got a feeling it would be freaking awesome, especially if they use practical effects. But I, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't know. I just got that. I got that Nausicaa on Blu-ray, 
And I think next week is time to sit down and I'm going, it's, we're coming off an Anno fest. Let's go in and watch, watch the other two of his uh, main animation works. And then in August, uh, re cutie honey comes out, which was the anime he directed the OVA for the uh, movie he made for the live action movie he made. So, right. Yeah, you know, you just convinced me. I, I I need to have like a Bivanano marathon. We're on a high right now. Yeah, very much so. All right, so that is Shin Kamen Rider, which brings us to the end of a month of Shin Kamen Rider material. Common Rider material. We went to the original show. We watched probably one of the most mind-boggling, ridiculous movies. I've ever seen with common with Hanuman and the common five riders. Oh man, that was that was rough. That was, <laughs> it was rough. That was the first time on this show where I'm like, man. Well, you can't again, as we explained in that episode. There's no linear way to really talk about this movie because it's a jumbled damn mess. So it's it, it, but it made for fun. It made for fun pod. Um, yeah, absolutely. So now we're moving on to uh, to new pastures and uh, and and we're we're going to give Common Rider a break for for a few episodes. <laughs> yes, please let's. Mm-hmm. We'll come back. We'll we'll yeah. eventually come back. We'll come back. There's there's still stuff I would like to come back to, but I, I need a break. I've only I've had so much that we need to um, we we need to regroup and free, you know and uh, cleanse the palate, if you will. Yeah. Uh, that being said, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, next, next episode will be a surprise. Uh, we might announce it a little bit sooner than later, but, uh, keep your eyes peeled, ears tuned and hearts open for the Kaiju Kingdom uh, podcast and common Chrysler's. Um, that being said, this has been your co-host Adian and the captain here. Chris Eaton. Wishing you a wonderful night, uh, all a safe drive home, and a great weekend. All right, guys. See you later. I love that you took control there. Fantastic. <laughs>